Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Holness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. So last week we were focusing on the fear of the Lord, looking uh, through the eyes of Acts 5 verse 11. Reminder that we've seen this a number of times, that the fear of the Lord comes upon people when something happens. You know, that fear of you of, of looking back and at at individual and going, oh, you know, I don't want to fall into that same you know, situation. We were talking about the death of Ananias and Sapphira and the fact that you know, in Acts 5 verse 11, they were focusing on so great fear came upon the church and upon all, all who heard these things. And you know, we talked about walking that and the fact that, you know, in today's church, in today's ecclesia, it, we don't have that. You know, we don't have the fear of the Lord. Yeah, there are very few that actually walk in that element of how we should be walking. We should be walking in a fear of the Lord, in walking in the fact that we don't want to come under you know, the, the wrath of God, that we don't want to come you know, fall out of uh, favor with him. We're never going to fall out of grace with the Lord. You know, that's something that you we need to know, that we're never falling out of grace, but you, we don't want to displease him. Yeah, we want to walk in his pleasure. We want to walk in his will, and we don't want to face something that will come against us. You know, and we just need to grasp this and, and walk it in that. You know, it's an element of walking, walking our life in the fear of the Lord. Today... We're going to continue looking at that. And again, you know, there's this first element in Acts 5 verse 12 that when they walk in the fear of the Lord, we see many signs and wonders. Yeah, that happened in Acts 4, Acts 3, Acts 4, after the whole situation of the beautiful gate, the, 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 the man at the beautiful gate that's healed. Here we saw it uh, in Acts 2 when uh, the uh, new believers were meeting with each other and then you know, following you know, the, what was being set up, you know, of meeting together and remembering Jesus and worshipping together, you know, fellowshipping together, learning Jesus' teachings and then the fear of the Lord came and there were many signs and wonders. You know, again, we're just that that whole thing of that whole reminder that when the fear of the Lord comes, then there are signs and wonders. And this again is an element that you know, we lose within the, the the setting of the church today. You know, we've lost the fear of the Lord, and therefore we're not seeing the signs and wonders. And I think that's you. We're in a really sad place. You know, we see stagnation within the church. But we need to know that God hasn't finished. God hasn't finished. If he'd finished, then Jesus would be here, and Jesus isn't here. God hasn't finished yet. He hasn't finished because, you know, as, as we see 
um, as as written in Paul, uh, written by Paul in Romans, that Israel will be restored. We haven't seen Israel restored yet. God hasn't finished. You know, as the as the film the title says, God's not dead. So why are we not seeing these signs and wonders? And I believe wholeheartedly it's because we're not walking in the fear of the Lord. You know, if we walk as a gathering of believers together in the fear of the Lord, we will see these signs and wonders. If we have the the foundations of what we see to be ecclesia, a relationship building, walking together, united together, something that we'll look at uh, again a little bit later on, then we will see these signs and wonders happen. And yeah, it just it does it saddens me to see that these things don't happen. That systems and structures have created something that is not what God intended. It's not what God intended for the church. And systems and structures are come into place within our churches, which has created religiosity. And within that, we've then created something that we say has to happen. You know, discipleship programs. Here we've seen denominations establish their own way of doing things and saying these things have to happen. Here we've lost... We've lost the focus of Jesus at the forefront. Jesus being the first and everything in our life. Yeah, we've lost that. And in losing that, we've lost the fear of the Lord. And in losing the fear of the Lord, we've lost the signs and wonders. And that's a sad place to fall into within our culture today. So I just want to encourage you that if you didn't hear last week's podcast, then I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Because as we build on this today, you know, as we go through week by week, building on you know, more and more of what we're putting together and seeing within the, the book of Acts. You know, it's just, again, it sets a foundation for, for us for this week. Because let's continue looking in Acts 5 verse 12. We've mentioned some of this already before. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. The church is one-minded. The Ecclesia was, is mentioned in verse 11, walks in fear, it walks with signs and wonders, and it walks with one accord, with one mind. We've seen this before, we've seen this phrase come up before. You know, the apostles and disciples, you know, when Jesus 
goes up to heaven, he ascends to heaven, they're of one accord. They go to the they're of one accord in the um in the upper room. They're of one accord when the uh, the Holy Spirit falls. They're of one accord. This is what we lose. Again, it's it's an element of the church that we've lost today of being one-minded, one-focused. We dug into this, you know, many months ago when we were looking in the earlier books of uh, the earlier verses of Acts of being of one accord. The one accord of you know, the focus is on Jesus. The focus is united in Jesus. Let's you know we're going to dig into this a little bit more tonight or today. Sorry, you know, because I really feel that this is this is vital. We need to understand what this unity truly is. There's a unity here where. There is no selfishness or stubbornness within the church. Within the believers of Christ, there is no selfishness or stubbornness. It's not, this is what I want. This is how I want it to be. This is how I want it to go. There's no pride. You know, I've done this before and therefore we need to do this. There's relationship. And we lose that within today's church. We've lost relationship. We've lost community. We look at it on the outside and say, well, there's community. Oh, this church meets this way and this church does all of this together. And oh, you know, this church is you know, creating, we, you know, we've had warm spaces recently in the last few years. And, you know, and we see that as community. But that's not the community that God intends for his church. The community that God intends for his church, for his ecclesia, is Christ-centered, is Christ-focused, is learning from Jesus' teachings. It's therefore being biblically focused. It's not taking someone else's book and writing a sermon series on that book. It's about focusing on God's word. And too much today we have this arrogancy, selfishness, stubbornness, pride. You know, throughout the church, I'm not just looking at you know, leadership, I'm looking right across. You know, it comes in from the ground level. You know, I don't like the way that the, the pastor does this and, and I'm off now. You know, what does that lead to? You know, it leads a lot to you know, church hoppers. It leads a lot to people who are unhappy and even getting to the point where they say, you know what, I can't go to church anymore. Every church is wrong. You know, that's just, it's ridiculous. You know, we even hear people saying, oh, you, you're never going to find the perfect church. Well, if church was based and built on what we see in Acts and it was Christ focused, then would you not find the perfect church? 
The perfect church is the one that's built on biblical principles. And if it's built on biblical principles and you don't fit into it, then I would say that you're the one that has the issue, not the church. But sadly, we don't have many churches that are built on biblical principles. But what do we see here? Because we see if we look beyond this and take into the context of everything we've talked about over months, and particularly since we've looked at Acts 2, where we see you know, believers who we see people who hear in their own language. So we've got different nationalities hearing this and coming to Jesus recognizing who Jesus is, recognizing the issues in their life. And we see that they are of one accord. Different nations, different cultures are all of one accord. This demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit. And now they are not afraid because they are of one accord in Solomon's porch. If we remember back to the healing of the beautiful gate, we know that Solomon's porch was within the temple precincts. They publicly are of one accord within the temple precincts, within the Jewish tradition, within the Jewish faith. Remembering that these are still Jews, but they just believe that Jesus was the Messiah and they've recognized that and the truth has been revealed to them. But yet, their own try to have him killed. We see that later on when we come to talking about Paul. But, you know, this is, this is the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit that brings people together, united, from across the globe. They're united. They're focused on one thing. They're one-minded. That goes beyond anything that man could do. It's a spiritual unity. And that unity is exactly what it is. It is exactly spiritual. ...of church programs, of, um, putting, you know, of, of churches together. And I'm not knocking churches together. You know, we hear of multiple faith groups and we we hear about the fact that they are united dare I say that this unity is man-made because this unity brings around compromise you know in multi-faith you have compromises right across faiths to bring everybody together Within churches together, you have compromise within denominations. You know, and you start to see things watering down so that everybody can work together. You know, what should everybody be focused on? Jesus. Put other things get in the way and you know, disturb the the whole unity 
the unity should be spiritual which should be focused on jesus and yeah let's pick up this in ephesians 4 ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6 I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Six verses. Verse three talks about the unity of the spirit. But the whole thing brings us into unity and how we should be walking. You know, first off, Paul writes and says, you know, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. What does that mean? Worthy of the calling. It's a godly call. We need to walk in a godly manner. We need to walk in a way that is suitable for the calling we've been given. Suitable for God. Because when people look at us, we should be pointing them towards heaven. We should be pointing them towards Jesus. And so we should be walking in that manner. That's how we should be walking. And Paul is, is pouring this out on the Ephesians. You know, the church in Ephesus, which was... If you read what happens to Paul in Ephesus, you do, he, he gets attacked. He gets imprisoned. He, you know, he faces so many issues because Ephesus being a port where a variety of different nations come, and you know, there's brothels and you know, there's there's idols being created of gods and God. It's just a, a place of total, you know, idolatry and debauchery. And he's reminding the church in Ephesus, walk in a godly manner. In a godly manner that you've been called to. I just want to pick up on two other words within this. You know, the word the, the word calling in the Greek is actually invitation. And the word called is invite one. So what Paul is actually saying is walk in a godly manner to which you have been invited into. God invites us to walk this walk we do not choose this walk we are invited you know, i hear this so many times and it took revelation for me to recognize it we don't choose jesus there's many passages in scriptures that that pulls this out you know, John 6, in John 6, Jesus talks about the fact that, you know, the Father gives to him. And those that the Father gives to, to me, to, to Jesus, he shall not lose. The Father gives. And so, therefore, if the Father has given 
a person to Jesus, then that person will come to know Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will not let the Father down. He will not neglect the person that he has been given, and so he will go after them. Now I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking. Jesus is wanting to come into your life. And we see it here in Ephesians, that it's a walk worthy of the invitation that you have been invited to. You have been invited to. I pray that this sinks in because, you know, it, it comes back to an element of identity for us. You know, in a world where identity is so rife of who am I and, you know, I, I, misidentity, identifying with things that are just weird. You know, even hearing about you know, children identifying as animals and all sorts of, of <laughs> just crazy things, really. If we truly understood this, our identity is in Christ. And our identity is in Christ because we are invited into that relationship with him. Do you know, you can't just put this into a, a worldly eyes for a minute. Okay, there's, there's somebody who wants to be a friend with you. If you don't invite them in to your space, they are never going to be that friend. They're never going to be able to walk with you. That's why I find it such a privilege to walk with people. Because to walk with people means that you've been invited into their space, invited into their life. And within the ministry that you know, my wife and I have been invited into by God, you know, God gave us the ministry to be invited into that, it means that when people invite us into their lives, we bring God with us. We bring Jesus with us. We bring the Holy Spirit with us. And we walk life with them, with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And it's a privilege to do that. That's what you the whole thing is about we're being invited into a relationship with Jesus and Paul is saying you know walk in a godly manner walk suitable of that invitation when we walk this walk we are walking in the way of Christ and this walk with Christ brings the fruits of the spirit with loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And then endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavouring, set in the Greek, to exert oneself or to give difference. It's to be a priority. Exert yourself to keep the unity of the Spirit. The Greek for unity is agreement. Exert yourself to keep the agreement of the Spirit. The church is to walk in the unity of the Spirit, in the agreement of the Spirit. It's not to put walls up. 
How can you deny the Holy Spirit when you are told to walk in it, in agreement? Yeah, there are churches that don't believe in the Holy Spirit operating today. If you don't believe that the Holy Spirit operates today, then you are walking against this scripture because it's telling you to walk in the agreement of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. But what does this word peace mean? You know, we often look at the word peace as the word shalom. But actually, the word peace within this context is irena. And irena means a number of things, but a state of national tranquility, exemption from rage and havoc of war. It also means peace between individuals, i.e. harmony and concord. And then we dig a little bit deeper, it also... It comes into security, safety, prosperity, you know, a place of peace or a state of peace. There is also specifically the Messiah's peace. This is what's used in Luke 2 verse 14 where it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And then if we dig deeper within this, it's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. You know, it's that whole thing of knowing that we are saved. It's that whole thing of being assured of our salvation. Can we know we're saved? Yes. You shouldn't be sort of walking backwards and forwards from, am I saved, am I not saved? That means that you haven't got peace. But Jesus came to give us peace. He came to give us this peace. Here, go back and look what we've just said in Luke 2, verse 14. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. It's the peace that he leaves with us. Romans 8 verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Being assured of our salvation. 2 Peter 3 verse 14 Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. We're to be found in peace. We're to be found in the natural tranquility of the soul, knowing that we're saved. To be living in harmony and concord with people. To be in a place where you know, it is exempt from rage and havoc. You know, we're, we're not you know, being tossed and turned within our own, our own bodies. That's what this peace is. And so when we look at that word of peace, as we've just talked about 
you the whole thing of you endeavouring, you exerting oneself to keep the agreement of the spirit in the bond of peace, in the bond of no havoc, in the bond of you living together, being together in harmony, in concord, in the bond of knowing that we're saved. That's the peace that the Spirit gives. And that's how we're meant to walk. And so that's what this unity is of the Spirit. The unity that the disciples are walking in. The unity that the believers are walking in. They're walking in the unity of the Spirit, the agreement of the Spirit, that they are saved. They're walking in the agreement of the Spirit that they can be together in harmony. That there's no havoc raging between them. And you just look at that and go, wow, where's that gone today? Where's that level of unity in the Spirit? That we can walk with one another without havoc. Without you know, an element of, well, they're wrong and I'm right. Without an element of you know, just pride or selfishness. Or arrogancy. We don't see it. And I talked earlier on about you know, this whole thing of walking you know, with like churches together where they water down things so that they can all come to a common you. Know, and yet all these other things are, are actually issues between them. But we should be endeavouring. We should be walking in that agreement of the Spirit where we know that we are saved. And I think this is a fundamental issue today because people don't know that they are saved. People who, you know, a lot of people will sit in the church and they will just batter themselves backwards and forwards. Do you know, just as a, as a side note within this element, do you think about David. Yeah, King David was a man after God's own heart. And yet he messed up over and over and over again. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Because he walked in obedience. He was assured he knew who God was. Even though he, as a fleshly person, kept making mistakes, he knew who God was. He knew the power of God. He knew that God was his first and everything. And he walked in that focus. And that's exactly where we should be walking. United together in that. United together in that agreement of the Spirit. Of knowing who we are. And that comes back to identity. Do we know who we are? Do we know that we are children of of God that we are saved and in his family and I just yeah as, as I'm saying that I just feel that there are people that are listening that 
just don't know that. They don't know who they truly are. They don't know that they're in that family of God. Or they think that they are, and actually they're not. Because they don't walk a walk of obedience towards the Lord. Yes, you may make mistakes. David made the mistakes. But he knew who God was, and he knew that God was everything to him. And he knew that God was the one that he needed to be obedient to. When God said, he had to follow. It's not when God said, we turn around and go, I don't like that bit. That's not what it's about. God says we follow when Jesus calls we follow comes back to what we talked earlier on in regards to this passage in Ephesians 4 about the word calling it's an invitation Jesus invites us in he invites us to follow him he invites us to do things for him we are to be obedient to that and take it up that is where our unity is And then verse 4 of this passage, it continues, you know, just a reminder there that as we have all of that, there's one body, one spirit, we're called in one hope. There one hope of your calling, one hope of your invitation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Yeah, there's one body as the body of Christ. There's not different bodies. There's one body, which is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is his church, is his ecclesia. That's the body of Christ. There's one spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. There's one hope. That's the hope of Jesus. There's one Lord who is Jesus. There's one faith that's in Jesus. There's one baptism, which is the believer's baptism. And there's one God and there's one Father. You know, that's everything. That's, that's, that's the truth. That's what's there. And that's where the unity should come from. But you know, we have these all sorts of other things. You know, the hope of Jesus. There's one hope. In your invitation, in your calling. One hope in Jesus. We come and we believe in Jesus. Don't believe in anything else. We believe in Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can have eternal life. We can be know our identity. We can become children of God. It's that simple. But yet we have all these other little things, you know, there's one hope in by well, repentance. There's one hope in Mary. That's false. Your hope is in Jesus. There's nothing else. And if your hope is in Jesus, you will know that you are saved if you've put your trust in him. Baptism, there's another one. There's one baptism. It's the believer's baptism. The Bible teaches it. And yet we have all other types of baptisms. You know, infant baptism is a is a big one. Infant baptism. You know, if we look at the history of infant baptism, it came in because children were dying, and so the church decided that you know, well, 
how do we work with this? How do we save children? Or how do we? You know, so what do they do? They brought infant baptism, thinking that that would set you know, peace within parents and all these children would be saved. It's a ludicrous idea. I'm not going to go down the route of you know children being saved and things because that's not where we are, and you know that that's a totally different conversation. But you know, do I believe children say can be saved? Yes, of course I do. Totally believe in that. But the believer's baptism is the only baptism. You get baptized when you believe. It's the first um, command that Jesus gives us. Believe and be baptized. There's one baptism. Too many churches put walls up to say you can't do this or that or certain people can't do things in certain churches. <laughs> do you know... Even some denominations say you have to be rebaptized in our denomination. It's weird. This isn't unity. This isn't unity. And it's sad. It's really sad. The unity of the Spirit is the agreement of the Spirit that binds us. It's a unity of the spirit that binds us. That's what it's about. It binds us together. And the body of believers walk in the agreement of the spirit with the peace for one another. Okay. If only... This was adhered to today. A walking of the Spirit, the agreement of the Spirit in peace. I believe wholeheartedly we would see so many different, you know, more signs and wonders. But instead, what we see is arrogancy, naivety, ignorance, pride, selfishness. Why? Because the devil has crept in and we've allowed the devil to come into our churches. And so as we come to close up for this week, you know, I just pray that, that this resonates. Because without unity, we have nothing. We have nothing. The believers walked in unity. Yeah, it's exactly what the passage going back into Acts 5 says. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. They were one-minded. They were united. They were united. And we see that so often as we go through Acts. It's not to say there's not disagreements, and we'll see disagreements later on. But we'll look at how they solve those disagreements. But they're all united with one focus in Christ. 
and learning from him and learning what he spoke about so that others believers new believers can go out and do the same work so i pray lord please let this sink in and allow unity to flow lord may those that hear the revelation of this unity this unity of peace that every believer should be walking with that every church should be walking with lord i pray that you equip and encourage and give boldness to people to speak out about this you know to 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 hold fast when they hear things that are not spoken in unity about others lord i pray that they will be bold enough to stand up and say you are not in the unity of the spirit you are not in agreement of the spirit lord help us all to walk in that agreement of the spirit so that we can see the signs and wonders flow out oh, lord this can only be done by your holy spirit lord it is only your spirit that can bring this so spirit come and bring revelation Spirit, come and convict people of repentance of where they've re they're unrepented in walking this walk. <coughs> Name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Oh, God bless you. And yeah, I do. I do. I just pray that this is you just taking you in a, a deeper way with Him and 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 opened up stuff something that maybe you've never even thought of pray that this has been an encouragement and i pray that you you can walk in the boldness as you go forward in this in this journey of faith but until next week where we will continue walking through acts 5 god bless you stay safe stay protected and know that you are loved god bless <laughs>